Good morning. Take your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, it's in our New Testament there, so if you're not sure where that is, start in the back and move your way forward. Does that sound good? Uh, and, or backward, not forward. So uh, we're going to be in that. We're finishing up a teaching series this morning, and I'm so excited. But before we do that, there are two things that need to be done. First and foremost, one of the things that our church believes in and we are excited about, we're prayerful about, and uh, we, we are praying that God would move not only in your hearts but in the next generation. And we shared some, some statistics yesterday with you that 40 million people have left, or last week, 40 million people have left the church in the last 20 years. That's astounding, is it not? And one thing we have to do as the church as itself is to call up new ministers into the body of Christ, new missionaries, new pastors, whatever it may be, to go out and serve and express the gospel, not because it's their job and the only person in the world it is to, to share the gospel, but because we need leaders. Agreed? And so this morning, I want to introduce you to, to a young man named Taylor. Taylor, come on up. Y'all give a hand for Taylor. Um, Taylor just graduated high school um, and went on a mission trip with us this summer was committed to go to the army isn't that right the army and was committed to go to the army but felt God's calling for him to be a missionary he said hey you know what I don't want to go to the army anymore I want to follow God's leadership in that and so he's been walking through the process with me and one of our staff members, Stephen, and we presented him to our elders last week, and we are provisionally commissioning him as a missionary. Now, let me help you understand what that means, provisionally. He's got a couple things he's got to do. One, he's 17, all right? So there's a lot. <laughs> if you've been 17 before, you know what I mean. But two, one of the things that we're encouraging him to do is as he goes on this assignment, and I'll tell you about that in a minute, is to get connected with a church as well. And even though we're his home church, we're what we call his sending church, but also to be able to develop the skills necessary to do his job. And so he feels God leading him in the area of missions aviation. We're partnered, and I'm on the board of a ministry called Christ Flight. We do a lot of stuff with them in the region of the Caribbean, and um, they do. They need missionary mechanics. Does that make sense? To make sure nobody crashes, and that's going to be his job. And so, not only that, he wants to work with hurricane relief and go into these different islands to share the gospel. And so, I wanted to present him to you this morning as our to our church to let. You know you need to be praying for this young man. We're going to be supporting him financially. We're going to be supporting him with prayer and asking God to bless his ministry. So I want to pray over him. And before we do that, can we affirm him by just giving him a hand clap and a round of applause? Just stand up and do this. This is a big deal, guys. You guys have a seat. You can't see this, but there's a little baby in the front row standing up and clapping. And that's the best thing ever right there. So we want to pray for this young man. And uh, he'll be moving to the uh, foreign country of Brunswick, Georgia in a few weeks. And <laughs> begin the process of being trained. You'll see him in and out of our church. Uh, but we're proud of you. We're excited about what the Lord's going to do for you. And you, I want you to know that every person out here in the second service and who online who can't be here, we're for you. And so when there's times of loneliness, when there's times of I don't know what to do, you know you have a church family that loves you, is praying for you, okay? Agreed, church. And so let's pray for this young man. Father in heaven, we love you. And we ask God that you would bless him, that you'd be with him, strengthen him, and guide him and direct him, that you would empower him with your grace, strengthen him with, a, with just an immeasurable amount of peace as he takes these steps for his family, for himself, 
that you put people in his life. And the Lord, as he moves from provisional missionary to what we pray one day is full-time missions, I pray, God, that you would just guide his steps and allow it to be, a way, be, be something that glorifies you and expresses the gospel. Provide people in his life. Provide a church there and in other areas. Knowing this is his home, that we send him, but, God, we know that there are communities all over the world where he can help strengthen and also be ministered to. So bless him in that as well. Father, thank you for him. Thank you for his commitment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all give him a hand. Thank you, Stephen. Excited. Isn't that kind of cool? So it's been a good morning. We've already baptized someone. Someone's going to the mission field from River Hills Church, and I think that's the first one we've sent permanently. Uh, we ordained a person the first time in the history of our church this past week to be a reverend, and you'll be meeting uh, the reverend Scott Dakin in a few weeks as we uh, prepare for his ordination ceremony. Uh, and so it's a good week, and God's doing some great things. Agreed? So here's your job. <laughs> here's what we need from you. And I'm going to make this appeal to you as a church that's growing. And we're seeing people come to Jesus almost week, daily, if not week, weekly, if not daily. We're seeing our ministries grow. We're seeing kids. When you took that whole concept to be fruitful and multiply, you believed in that. And you have multiplied our nursery and our kids' area to a degree that we haven't seen in a long time. Our student ministry is booming. Our hospitality ministry. Isn't it great to be greeted by some of the warm faces every morning here? Uh, and, and just in, in bringing on JB to lead worship a few weeks ago and, and leading out in that. So here's what I need from you. I want you to take your Connect card out. And we're also going to try to put this on the screen if she can keep up with me. We need you to serve somewhere if you're not. We need people in every area of our church. Not because we're desperate and people aren't serving. It's because we're growing, guys. We need people on stage who can worship, who can lead, who can play an instrument. We'll train you. We need people in the tech booth to help run video streaming and to help run soundboards and lights and camera action, all that stuff. We need people in the kids' ministry who are willing to pour into children. One of our elders, we were supposed to pray, our elders were supposed to pray for you this morning. Uh, and the two elders that were assigned to this service, one of them has the flu, and the other one had to be pulled into a kids' ministry classroom because there's too many kids. Isn't that cool? And so, men, you can serve in the, ministry, in the kids' ministry. Uh, one of my favorite stories and I'm going to call, he's not in here, his wife is, Jason Peden. They don't have kids, but he sits in the nursery and watches babies uh, sporadically, almost weekly now, I think, or every couple of weeks. Is that about right, Sam? Something like that. And so I walk by, and it's kind of like he has this clueless look on his face, but he's there. <laughs> and it means your kids aren't putting forks in a plug. So, you know, you can do it, guys. And we need student ministry volunteers. We need guys to serve in the student ministry. We need women to serve in the student ministry. Our kids or our students need you. They need discipleship. They, you don't know what to do. We're going to teach you what to do. Sound good? Um, so on your Connect card, it says, I will serve. Put that on there. And then place right on the bottom where you're going to serve. And then turn it into the guest services or turn it into me as you leave. Uh, also, you can text in the phrase there. And that's going to send you a link and you give that way. Sound good to everybody? Guys, when we're serving together, people are coming to Jesus. 
And it helps grow you personally when you do it in the right heart and the right spirit. It doesn't matter if you're handing out a cup of coffee, holding a baby, or playing a guitar. God's using you. And I'm so grateful. This can't happen without you, and it enables us to share the gospel. So that being said, Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. And um, this morning we're wrapping up a teaching series called Who Is He? And what we've been doing since August is really studying the character of God. What is his attributes? What is his characteristics? He's more than just one thing as far as it pertains to what we think of. He is loving. He is multifaceted in his sufficiency and his knowability and his wisdom and his unchanging nature in his righteousness and his wrath and his justice and his love. He is multifaceted. And as we deal with this last attribute this morning, this is my favorite. I think it'll be yours too. This is the thing about God that is the mantra for the church today and how we really express the gospel and has been for generations. And this attribute of God separates Christianity from all other religious systems. And it's one that I hope speaks to your heart. Now, if you want to go deeper into this stuff, because we have not exhausted this in any way, there's two books I recommend. One is by J.I. Packer called Knowing God. God, and the other one is called Attributes of God by Author Pink. Now, I put those on my podcast, which will be available tomorrow morning. Now, let's start with this. As we're in Ephesians chapter 2, there was a guy named John Newton. Now, you perhaps never heard of this man, but you're going to hear about him. <laughs> He's somebody actually you've heard about and maybe don't know his name. John Newton was a slave ship captain. Uh, he grew up, I think, starting in adolescence on uh, different ships, learned to be a mariner. And because of the ability and the, because of the profitability of the slave trade, he got involved in that. He invested heavily in it. He was a captain of ships. He was even enslaved for a time in Africa, got out of that, went back to the slave trade. And one, time, one day after, uh, during the night off the coast of Ireland, he was in a terrible storm and he thought the ship was going to sink. And he prayed to God and he said, I'll start believing in you and began to investigate Christian doctrine and what it meant, and he began to read the Bible. Years later, John Newton gave his life to Jesus. Now, what happened after that is amazing, and it has affected your life. Number one, for the next two decades of his life, the last 20 years of his life, he committed to preaching the gospel. He wanted the people to understand freedom. And number two, he committed himself to the abolishment of slavery. Now, he wrote this, and you see it on the screen there. He says, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I hope to be in another world, but still, I'm not what I used to be. Isn't that good? And by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now, I want you to just let, see that last phrase there. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Now, here's where you've heard of John Newton. Amazing grace, how what? Sweet the sound that saved a what? A wretch like me. It's most popular, perhaps the most popular song in the English language. He wrote that. He wrote it knowing that with all of his bad stuff that he had done, God had forgiven him. And by the way, the tune that he wrote it to was a tune that the slaves would sing on the ships as he would carry them to their impending end. He understood something that changed his life, and I hope it changes yours. It's the idea that the God that we know and the God of Scripture is a God filled with grace. It's grace. 
but what is it? This is something we talk about a lot in this church. This is the mantra of our church. But let me give you two working definitions, and then we're going to talk about the reason why it doesn't drive us. Because when we understand grace, we talk about it, and you're going to go to dinners today, and you're going to sit down, and right before you eat, you're going to say what? Grace. You're going to say the blessing. You believe in grace. You sing about grace. And I guarantee you, during times of hardship, you probably sing that song to yourself, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. It's been performed all over the world in different languages. But here's the deal. When we think about grace, two definitions to think about. Number one, grace is God's unmerited favor. First and foremost, when we think about God and what grace is, we have to understand that God gives you favor that you don't deserve. It's not earned it's not work for, it's not because of how you look or where you go to church. Is God's unmerited favor. That's something John Newton understood. Number two, little acronym is simply this. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace, you see it there? God's riches at Christ's expense. And so when we think about grace, it's the riches of God's sufficiency in your life, salvation in your life, love in your life, acceptance in your life, second chances, infinite chances. It's heaven. It's all the totality of who he is, not based on you, but based on Jesus. That's what makes the gospel so important. So here's the question. If we believe that, if we believe it's God's unmerited favor, if we believe it's God's uh, riches at Christ's expense, here's the problem. Why isn't uh, it driving us to grow, go, and do something? Because do you guys forget about grace? Now, you love grace, right? You want grace. How many times have you been pulled over by the state patrol or the local police department and say, can you just show me some grace here? <laughs> can we get a show of hands? Don't do that. There's a couple of you. There's one. <laughs> Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> How many of you guys, even when as a kid, you've done something wrong and you just want a little grace here? You don't want to be punished. Y'all been there? How many of you have been ashamed of something before? You just want it to go away even though you don't deserve it. Just a little grace. That's all I need. How wonderful would that word apply if you're married? Instead of fighting or getting frustrated with the other person, you showed them what? Grace changes everything. We love it, but why doesn't it impact us day in and day out? Why do we forget about it so easily? Because we, we, we do sing about it, but we do forget about it. Agreed? And here's how this affects us. It puts us into a performance mindset in our relationship with God. Is it the more I dance, the better I perform, the more God will love me. And then that com is communicated to a world saying, you better get your life right, rather than you need to know God's grace. You follow that? So, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. What we're going to do here is deal with some of the things we fail to recognize. And then we're going to go through three things you need to recognize, or what grace is, and then give you some application. Sound good? So, no, first and foremost, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Notice what happens here, starting in verse 1. Get this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, 
also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised up with, with Christ, graced us up with Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his what? Grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been what? Saved. And this is by faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which is God prepared in us for advance to do. Now, let's deal with four reasons you forget. First reason is this. You forget your predicament. You forget the problem. And our predicament is very simple. Go to verse 1 again. Notice what happens here. It says simply like, something like this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Now, focus on three words there. One is dead. When we understand the word dead in that context, it comes from Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. Or Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. When Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God promised them, if you do this, you will surely die. As well as the rest of mankind. And guess what? He fulfilled his promise because in that simple act, we separated ourselves from the Lord by doing what we wanted to do. Very specifically speaking, our sins and transgressions, which means the totality of your being, whether on purpose or accidentally, you and I find ourselves separated from God. Our predicament is dire and it is hopeless. You follow me on that? And the reason we forget grace is that we forget how messed up we can be. Now think through this for a moment with me. Several months ago, the whole world watched as the submarine who was going to have a tourist party to look at the Titanic was lost. Do you remember this? And for like 10 days, everybody's watching the TV. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? They only got three or four more days of air, two more days of air, you know, 24 hours of air. And everybody was worried because it was like, we can't find them. We don't know they're about to run out of air and when in reality they were already gone i want you to picture that as your life spiritually before jesus completely and utterly hopeless that's you and i that's the predicament when it says you're dead in your sins and transgressions that doesn't mean you're sick and you can take an elixir to make yourself feel better that doesn't mean somebody throws you a life raft and then you grab hold of it and pull it in no, that means you're floating. <laughs> you're dead. There's nothing you can do. Nothing. You've been in hopeless situations before, have you not? Where it's like, I've got to have somebody to do something because I can't do anything. And when we think about the reason we forget about God's grace is because you forget sometimes that at one time you were completely and I was completely hopeless. Completely. There was a point of no return, and you're not coming back on your own. Now, another reason. Go to verse 2. Get this. It says, go to verse 1. We'll read verse 2 with it. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. What's the ruler of the kingdom of the air? That means he's in charge of nothing. <laughs> Think about it. Nothing. But it says that's what we followed. 
And what does that mean? That means we have fruitless pursuits. So here's the deal. Our predicament is dire and hopeless. And in order to fix that issue, we've had some fruitless pursuits. You've done it, and I've done it, right? Y'all done some stuff to try to figure out a problem, recognizing you didn't turn to Jesus, and that was a fruitless pursuit? Absolutely. Absolutely. There was a period of time in my life where I would go to the horoscope page every day, hoping that that would come true. That is a fruitless pursuit right I mean some of you grew up in a very uh, oh how do we say it a mystical place I guess is what I'd say I think all of us do you know if if uh, if a if a cat crosses the front of your car you're supposed to you know what I'm talking about some of you are older all about you what do you do you exit out you go you can't do that if you walk into under a ladder what you have bad luck if you break a mirror what happens seven years what bad luck guys can you just can you just just hear come in close are you kidding me <laughs> there's no power like that there's no mysticism that's gonna i mean you can't look up at the stars and see where everything lines up and goes today's gonna be a good day really really fruitless pursuits guys now let's take it to another level fruitless pursuits what's gonna make me happy Y'all have done that before. That's where we really find ourselves. There's a great song right, out right now, and it talks about, you know, young lady. We said, when I was young, I thought if I could just get some money. And then I found out when I made it, it wasn't enough. So I decided I needed to have a relationship, and I found out that has missing parts too. And then if I just had a car to get me to where I was going, but now I'm afraid to take the car out because it's going to get scratched. Does this make sense to you guys? It's fruitless pursuits over and over and over again when we're looking for spiritual fulfillment to fix our predicament we're in a fruitless pursuit of things that don't fix it now keep reading here because it gets better or worse Ephesians chapter 2 go to verse 3 now notice what happens here all of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts and like the rest we are by nature deserving of wrath now something we learned a few weeks ago God in his character is wrath meaning he has to fulfill his justice if he doesn't obey his own word then he makes himself out to be a liar right and in Genesis chapter 2 verse 17 he says you will die he had to fulfill that and here's what we don't sometimes recognize. Number one, you know, we talked about our predicament's dire, and we have fruitless pursuits. But here's the other part of it. God's justice is justified, meaning he has every right to pour out his wrath on you. Every right. Every right. Just like the state patrol officer has every right to write you a super speeder ticket when you're going 100 in the 35. He has every right. And the thing we sometimes fail to recognize is God could pour out his wrath in a moment, but ultimately it ends up in a place of eternal condemnation. Last thought here. Go to verse 4. This is what also we fail to recognize. That little word, but. Now we make a joke about this in verse 4. It's the biggest but in the Bible. You'll get that at dinner. <laughs> but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy... Notice that last phrase there. 
made us what? Now, this is important. God has the freedom to act as he so determines. How so? Because he's God. He's powerful. Now, with that being said, let's follow the pattern here. Our predicament is hopeless. We've chased fruitless pursuits. God is just in his justice in order to pour out his wrath on us. And God has the freedom to act. What J.I. Packer calls, we're in a moral desert. We're looking for fruitless pursuits. And God is just a punishment. However, and this is where we go back to verse 4. Let's put that back on the screen. But Christ stepped in. That's the grace. That all of our stuff, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive together in Christ. It is by grace you have been what? Saved. Now, we forget all that stuff and we take it for granted. Just like we forget how much we may love our spouse at times. You've done that before, right? And you've taken it for granted. Just like we forget that the state patrol officer, again, gave you a free pass, and three months later, you're like, I'm never going to speed again. You get pulled over again. We take it for granted, right? We forget those things. But Christian, hear me. Don't you ever forget this. Because this is the essence of why God loves you. Because grace does three very important things, and this is the God of grace. First and foremost, when we think about what grace does, number one, it pardons us. It forgives us. Christ, who is rich in mercy. Go back to verse 4. But because of his great love for us, not our love for him, and notice what it says, not our performance for him, but God, because of his great love for us, made us, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions, instead of us grabbing the life preserver, Christ jumped in and drowned for us and resuscitated us to life. You understand the difference? This is a beautiful moment in the gospel. This is grace. This is where Jesus is doing something miraculous. Is that he died for you and then rose to life for you. That's God's grace. He pardons us. There was a guy named Eddie Redenbacher. And during World War I, he served in the U.S. Army. And he was still young enough when World War II came about to serve in the U.S. Army again. And so he got a double whammy, right? And so he was on a crew of seven other people in an airplane flying over the Pacific. And uh, either because of mechanical failure or because of uh, enemy uh, fire, they crashed into the Pacific Ocean. All seven of them miraculously survived the plane crash, and they got into the life raft. They had enough provisions in the life raft for like seven or eight days, and on day eight, there was nothing left, and they were, die they were dying. Now, fast forward 40 years later, 30 years later, every Friday afternoon in Mobile, Alabama, this old man would go out into the pier, and he would take a bucket of shrimp that he had got at the local bait shop or supermarket, he would go out to the pier and he would throw out a shrimp and he would say thank you every time he threw out the shrimp. Now go backward. Eddie Rudenbacher was sitting on that life raft about to die 
in enemy territory with no food, water, provisions. And he began to close his eyes and drift to sleep, and he felt something land on his head, and it was a seagull. He grabbed the seagull. They ate it, used it for fish bait. And for 30 days, these men stayed alive because of that one moment that they were able to get a seagull. 40 years later, every day, Eddie would go out to that dope box or that pier and throw out a shrimp and say, thank you. Here's the point. Do we have that type of gratitude to a God who saves us? If it's by grace you have been saved, not through works, not of yourself, but through Jesus, do we really let that forgiveness change us? You follow me on this? You've been pardoned. You've been given a free pass. We've been given a free pass. Romans 8 verse 1 says you're not under condemnation even for all the messed up stuff you've done since you become a Christian. Does God's grace change you? Does it propel you forward? So first and foremost, we think about the God of grace. He's a God that pardons. Number two, I'm running out of time. He preserves us. What does it mean he preserves us? He, he per, per, perseveres, excuse me. He, he preserves us. Let's go back to the first one. He perseveres in us. Ephesians chapter 2. Notice what happens here. Verse 6 and 7. Now I can talk about this all day. And God raised up with Christ and raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that the, the coming ages he might show his incomparable riches of grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. There's two parts in this. He perseveres in us. He empowers us because he makes us alive. And so he doesn't leave you alone. And then the flip side of that, too, is he preserves you, meaning at the end of the age, you go to heaven. And this nonsense that you can lose your salvation is so far away from Scripture because it's not based upon works. It's based upon grace. You follow that, people? It's based upon what Jesus does, not what you do, not what I do, not what songs you listen to, what you look like, or anything else. It's based upon Jesus. And so here the, here's the powerful message of grace. He is pardoning you. He is persevering in you by empowering you to live this life and he preserves you until the end till you celebrate him forever. Amen, right? That's the goodness of God. So what do you do with this? How do we deal with this? Let's 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 list the last part here. Notice what happens. He says this starting in verse 8. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Four steps of application. One, don't lose sight of who you are. There's twofold of that. You are a saved believer if you know Jesus. You've been redeemed. You're not perfect, but you've been forgiven. Don't lose sight of who you are. Don't lose sight of grace, people. Don't lose sight of what God has done. Two, don't forget about where you're going. There's an end line there where it says, you know what, here's forever after. Here's eternity. You are his. You're identified. This is what's a beautiful thing about baptism, what happened to Katie this morning, is that through baptism, you're not saved. You're physically being identified as a Christian. That's a beautiful thing there. So don't forget about where you're going. Number three, don't get arrogant. God has done everything. This may be the great sin of the 1950s and 60s in the church in America. We were self-righteous instead of being based upon the righteousness of Christ. Don't get arrogant. God has done it all.
And then finally, verse 10 talks about this. Let grace propel you. If Christ has saved you, now go live for the glory of God and the satisfaction of who he is. So this morning you're here, and we wrap up this series. And maybe you've never tasted grace before. Maybe you've forgotten about grace. Maybe you don't know Jesus. I want to give you three options this morning, and the band's going to come up. One, option one, you can take the connect card you're given, and you can check off a box that says, today I need Jesus, or I need to be baptized, or I want to speak with a pastor, and I will be in touch with you. Two, here's what you can do. Focus on me. Two, you can text in the phrase, I need Jesus, to the number on the screen. That might be for you guys at home. Three, I'm going to be standing over here to my left. And I'd love to pray with you, talk with you, and explain to you what it means to know Jesus. If you need prayer for something, if you've forgotten grace, it's time to get that right. If you didn't know Christ, let's begin to take that step to know him. But let's grasp God's grace together. Y'all with me, church? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this grace. We thank you for this mercy. We thank you for the hope we have in you. And I pray, God, that in these moments that you would change us, that you would move us, and you'd remind us of this incredible grace that you give us in Jesus. When we think about who you are, we think about what you do, we think about your grace. And so Christ, change us in every way, shape, form, or fashion, and remind us of your great salvation. And I pray, Father, for those that don't know you today, they come to know you. Changes completely. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.